Hello and welcome to the Edge of the Box Football Podcast, the show where we aim to challenge football convention with thought-provoking and outside-of-the-box points of view. Today we're talking about the Africa Cup of Nations and whether more needs to be done to ensure football's growth on the continent. We'll also be hearing why club teams shouldn't feel obliged to release their African players mid-season. And we'll also be discussing the Pushkas Award and precisely which type of goal we feel should be worthy of winning it. I'm your host, Harry Brent. At the time of recording, the Pushkas Award is just, well, the, the FIFA Best Awards have been awarded. But more importantly, the Pushkas Award has been awarded to... Ash, tell us. Eric Lamella. Eric Lamella, who is who plays for... Sevilla. Uh, not Tottenham. <laughs> ah, they're saying you won two in a row, but you haven't. However, he was a Tottenham Sevilla. player. And when he scored the goal, the goal in question was an absolutely ridiculous Rabona Arsenal in the North London derby, which he then later got sent off in and we lost the game. Yes. But the legacy of that game now will be, even though Arsenal won it, will be that Lamella's, you know, pushcast goal, which is funny. Um, but I was just thought we would ask the question, what precisely should win the Pushcast Award? What kind of goal, what sort of situation, strike, incident, whatever whatever you want to call it? Looking at the actual definition of what should win the Pushcast, it says, because I always thought it was just an award for the best goal, but it says the most aesthetically significant goal, which basically translates, I guess, to the most beautiful goal. But I, I thought that was interesting because because often you know it's it's I mean best is obviously just a, a weird subjective term but then again so is so is beautiful so I just wondered what what you know like what do you what do you guys think should you know what's what sort of goals do you like seeing I mean for, for a start did Lamella's goal deserve to deserve to win it this year having not seen the other like. Candidates. Or the other candidates, yeah, I think it's hard to say. But even during that game, as angry and as furious as I was, it was an incredible goal. It was outrageous, I think is the best way to describe it. To do it in that occasion, in the context of obviously North London derby, and to just even attempt it out of nowhere was, yeah, I, I can completely understand and agree why it did win. Yeah, I mean, like I said, <laughs> if you if you take it in its isolation, it's a very very beautiful goal, and I do believe that is probably how this should be judged. I know there's a few people who will say like, "Oh, the occasion matters. Mm. The occasion matters." You know, say someone scored a beautiful like Gareth Bale's uh, overhead kick against Liverpool in the Champions League final. Very good goal, and. It's in the Champions League finals. People say it should matter more. No, I would disagree with that wholeheartedly. I'll say, which right. we just take the goal in isolation. Uh, so no, no matter the compare context, compare it to other beautiful goals. So no. there's no context, no nothing. Oh. Just look at this goal. <clears throat> yeah. What What about? Look at this. What about in terms of like it, you know, if you're comparing an amazing goal scored in the Champions League final, say, or in the Conference Vanarama Vanarama. National League North or whatever it is like does does you know a standard of opponent come into it at all? Do you think? I think it's, it has to. It does have to. But I, I, I know it completely goes against what everything I've just said. 
you don't have to completely just like disregard it, but but you but you prefer it to just be the goal is the goal, no matter who's who scored it or when it's been scored. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the top <clears> level, obviously. Which goal would you say was better, Ash? Um, Lamella's Rabona or Son's goal against Burnley? Son's. Son's. Oh, straight away. He just runs forward and no one beats one player. No, about three or four people try to foul him and fail because he's outrunning all of them. Yeah. It's a fantastic goal. So, so disagree, but that's just my it's just personal taste when it comes down to it. But I just What do you think, Egbert? Again, it's probably what has mentioned about the standard play. If that was against like at Chelsea, would they have been trying to hack him down or would they have potentially tackled him? Or, I mean, I think Lamella's, even though it was against Arsenal, I think just the audacity to attempt it, and it goes through the defender's legs as well. So it just, oh. And again, I think it was the hype of it, just how it was just so out of the blue. I mean, Son's goal against Burnley was obviously phenomenal and obviously won it uh, the year before. But Lamella's was it was just they had no right to even attempt it. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but it, again, goes against what I've just said. I imagine <laughs> if we would have won that game, I probably would. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Imagine if you would have that would have been the yeah. winning goal. Which one? Would you but that's as, as a Spurs fan saying. Yeah, though. yeah. So, I mean, from a neutral, I imagine. Oh, it was, you know, it was, <laughs> a neutral can appreciate that goal. Yeah, exactly, what it is. exactly. The, I have an emotional yeah, attachment to it. So. Which one do you say has Son's goal or Lamella's? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I like I like Lamella's better, and if we and again according to the rules, aesthetics come into it. And the thing I liked about the goal is it is you know how you know how everyone praised Thiago's goal against Porto um, a few weeks ago when he hit that volley yeah. that kind of sort of that almost uh, what do you call it just. Just um, glided yeah, gl- yeah, glided on the blades of the grass, and I feel like the Mellas looks like it does that as well. It's just very smooth. Yeah, that is just it doesn't end. sort of bounce or roll. It just kind of just, just like it's you pushing it along a, 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 a flipping you know ice skating rink or something as it goes in. Uh, I was going to say something, was, something lubricated there. And I thought that would just become. <laughs> Like a shopping trolley with all its wheels working correctly. <laughs> but yeah, so it just, I, I, so I, so I think, in my view, that as much as looking at past Pushcast winners, I think it was quite a weak winner. But I think that is is what I think should be the kinds of goals that should be scored, not necessarily the the biggest, the you know, an amazing goal on a big occasion. But I think I think that you know, in terms of beauty, that's definitely that's yeah. definitely one that you could you know, you can frame. And, that, and that, that's important. The thing, just I don't want to go on about it too much, but this the, going back to Son's goal, I, I watched the, um, you know, look, we talked about this before, and I, I, without repeating myself, obviously it's a really good goal. Obviously, not everyone would have, not every player would have scored it, and he's <clears throat> does really well. But I, I watch him go, and you know, you know when you you know when you watch a keeper make a good save, but it's kind of right at him and you think well I mean good reflex save but don't save it you look a bit at no point during that run Son made did I think how has he how has he got there or how has he got out of that how has he not been tackled here whereas you look at a goal like one that 
Messi scores, you know, where he literally is just like trapped in a phone box and somehow gets get just just gets out of it. You know, that's that sort of comes into it for me. But, you know, I I wonder what obviously the distance is is part of the reason why the goal is great. But I wonder if you shorten the distance, whether that would have, um, you know, got as much. Credit, but look, I, I don't think, want to make yeah, this all about he's patience, on the distance. Yeah. Still a fantastic goal, and he's drawn fast, but it's not a Puskas, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the um, and it, it, it what, what, what shows it? I was, I was again looking at the winners earlier. What definitely shows is, is obviously reputation of player does come into it, not always, but um, I mean, Salah's to be honest, there's been a, there's been a whole host of terrible winners. You remember Salah's goal against Everton that won it in 2018? It was one against Chelsea as well, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was the Everton one, it was just. <laughs> <laughs> just a kind of, you know, not even re- like if it didn't win goal of the month, you wouldn't be surprised kind of goal. I mean, I can't uh, without if you guys don't know it, I, I can't be I can't sort of go explaining it. But that beat um, Ronaldo's bicycle kick in against Juventus, which beat Bale's bicycle kick against Liverpool in which, the Champions which League. Which is just final. mad. I mean, that just shows the pull of Ronaldo, doesn't it? That his like, you know. A, a, a reasonable bicycle kick in the quarterfinals somehow is considered better than an unbelievable bicycle kick in the final just because it's Ronaldo. But, um, and but yeah, I, I, I so I think, I think, I think generally speaking, aesthetics are a big part of it. Has there ever been a team goal that's won? So those are all individual brilliance. <laughs> Jack Without, Wilshire. yeah, with, with Jack Wilsh is not on, and that was one I was looking for. Jack mm-hmm. Wilsh against Norwich, I because I, I really like that goal. But I without, I didn't go, I haven't been through every single one, so forgive me if there if there is, and I've missed it. But I didn't, I didn't see, I don't, I don't think there is, or possibly most of the time, it's a, it's a blast from from outside, like a hit on the volley, or. But I agree, like because that aesthetically for me, that is more pleasing more than like than like seen. a long range shot. Like the first winner was Ronaldo. Egby, you may remember this. Ronaldo's goal against Porto for Man United oh, in the Champions League. Yeah. It was like unbelievable shot from about 40 yards out. Yeah. yeah it's just a shot at the end of the day. Like, you know, it's just. Yeah, no, look, it's, it's a great long range goal. But I'll tell you what it beat was um, the one that came second was Iniesta against Chelsea in the semi-final of the Champions League and I found that interesting because obviously this was the first incarnation of the Pushkas and that's not a particularly amazing goal but maybe at that point they thought it's the most dramatic Mm. you know moment context yeah yeah the context makes it because I mean that was like obviously not for me but that was an unbelievable moment (laughs) um I was at that game as well um so you know, I expect there to be, a, you know, to have a bit of time to hide. But I think, generally speaking, yeah, they, they've 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 got they've they've come, a, you know, they've got a good grasp of what of what it should be. But I would like to see, as you got, as you said, Dave, I, I would love to see more team goals. Mm. There. There's a, like that that Jack Wilshire goal should win something at least. He should win it every year. He's got to win a retroactive goal. It's just unbelievable. It should, it should say, right, so we've got the pushcast. Uh, this is the best goal in this year, okay? How does it compare to this goal, the best goal of all time? <laughs> Get yeah, out, Manchester they should, United. They should Get out. The pushcast award. They should call it the Wilshire Award. The Wilshire Award. 
because I do a part, yeah, I think the wheelchair award. That's, I think, the best. Uh, it's, it's, again, it's all down to personal preference, isn't it? But that's the best goal I've seen in, Eng- in English football, I think. I would, I would, Giroud's, Giroud's, I think, you're not too, uh, you're, you're not too sold on that, are you? Uh, I think we've had this conversation. <laughs> oh, because he shinned it, yeah, indig. <laughs> But everything, even even if one portion of it, which happens to be the finish, is bad, there's, there's oh, about six no. instant bang, 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 yeah, in different directions as well. It wasn't like just someone helping the ball on. It was like, yeah, oh, that moment I think was the moment Arsene Wenger achieved everything he wanted to achieve. It's like, I'm done now. That, that's what I've been telling training for the last seven years. <laughs> <laughs> just do that. You should have retired after that. Cool. Um, what a, what about um, Giroud's scorpion that that yeah. did win it in twenty sixteen or seventeen? Yeah, I'll tell you I think you don't see many scorpion kicks in football. Yeah, and to see, or see many players attempt a scorpion kick and from to attempt a scorpion yeah. kick and score it. Oh. I'd say that's very beautiful. Yeah, yeah, because it comes it kind of falls under the unique category, doesn't it? And it's a really good bit of skill. Um, I remember when that goal went it because I think he I think he scored that on something like it was December of that year and then Mkhitaryan scored on New Year's Day the the scorpion kick it was like a few weeks later and when Giroud's got nominated for the Pushkas and Mkhitaryan's didn't Man United fans went absolutely mad before realizing oh no well it's, it'll be up for next year's award yeah um, the, um this is a bit of a throwback but. Not to bring up um, pick at all the wounds has, but remember Ronaldinho's goal against Chelsea? Mm. Was that nominated? Uh, no, well, the award only started in 2009. So yeah, that was four or five years after, yeah. But yeah, I mean, again, that, I, I, yeah, I still, I, 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 goals kind of falls under the kind of almost bizarre category more than beautiful for me but you know because because if like like you you take you take um wilshire's take marks off wilshire's goal for being a shinner and although he meant it ronaldinho's was a toe poker uh but it was it was a good i mean it was i say it was it was a beautiful goal really you know shinned it Rooney. Rooney. Well, I was going to bring I was going to bring this up because this is because I I that I must say that when I was younger at this point but that goal really annoyed me because I was like absolute shinner, and it was one of it was the thing that he was in terrible form and it got him back into it. But I remember a few people telling me at the time the reason they think that's an unbelievable goal is because it was the winner in the derby, which again brings us back to the whole, you know, yeah, the you know context sort of vibe. Yeah, but I mean, in terms of points gained and impact of goal, it's the exact same. They uh, will tap in from two yards. Yeah, well, exactly, and yeah, and I, I think yeah, it's, at the end of the day, it's yeah, it's just it is just still a bicycle kick. I know it, it's in the in a big game in a big moment, but that doesn't that doesn't make it better than a better bicycle kick for me. If that was a, the same instance, but again, it's like. League One, no offense, League One players, and he didn't hit his shin. Would you be like up in hysterics over how amazing it was? I, I think, I sort of think exactly how Ash feels. You, you sort of, I think, need to consider, you know, whether it's top flight or not, or whether it's a big game or not. 
but ultimately it shouldn't have too much of a sway on your judgment of it because ultimately what you're judging is the, is the technique or the, or the rather the technical application rather Wait, than if a, if a league two else. player dribbled past 10 men and then rainbow flicks it over a goalkeeper i would give him the plus gas myself <clears throat> um, that comes the question that i want to pause should there be a secondary should there be a top flight plus gas and then a secondary you know Football Association level. Plus How would you split it? Like, where? What's the cough point? Well, I'd say if you're a top, I mean, obviously you could use the uh, the coefficient rankings to determine leagues. Then, if your league falls below a certain coefficient, then any goal scored there goes to the conference plus gas. Um, but what what would be the purpose of it? To, just to separate the kind of well, the, I feel the like mad goals scored. Yeah, because there's going to be there's going to be absolutely fantastic <laughs> goals scored in lower leagues of football, and they're not going to get a look in mm. because you know someone in the top flight's done something half as good, but it's in the top five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't I, be that. I, I wouldn't I be that opposed to it. I think it'll blow up some, you know, some some social media traffic for said team, or you know, get a bit of publicity for them. Whatnot, maybe promote the lower leagues of football or even the women's game. You'd start having like Sunday league goals thrown in there and Sunday, <coughs> Sunday league puskets. Hey, you you've won the Sunday league puskets. What do you think? <laughs> like, sick, bro. Yeah, fucking buzzing, mate. Absolutely yeah. buzzing. <laughs> we could, we could do it. We could, we could dragons done that. that. That could work. Oh, the edge of the box push gas. Yeah, it's the box push gas. Why not? Why not? What would I give it to this year? Um, yeah, no, we could we could come at that. Other other winners just while we're just while we're here. Um, uh, Ibrahimovic versus England. Uh, Obviously, the mad bicicleta. Uh, James uh, Rodriguez against Colombia, uh, Uruguay rather. The World Cup. Oh, on goals are winning bus captains now. <laughs> yeah. And I think, Neymar, I think Neymar's won a couple as well for goals he scored at Santos. Santos, um, yeah. Santos won. That was a good goal. There was one that didn't win it, and which I think is the is the best goal. With taking ev- taking everything we've discussed into context, I think is the best, certainly the best goal I've ever seen. That came second is um, Messi versus Athletic Bilbao in the Copa del Rey final, twenty fifteen. Not a fan, Dave. Um. No, but you, well, I am, but you're obviously a fan. <clears throat> just, just because you know, like Messi's greatest goal gets credited, and and well, I'll tell you what, what also wasn't. Um, sorry, just while just while we're on this, there was um, you remember that goal, Messi? Again, sorry, Messi came second in another in 2011 for his goal against Arsenal, um, where All he right, <laughs> where he flicked he he, he, he flicked the ball over Almunia, did that little dink, which is really cool. But what didn't get nominated is his amazing solo goal against Real Madrid, like two rounds later. Remember that one where he just Busquets just taps it to him and then he just runs about. Anyway, just that I thought it was is it where Busquets gets the um, assist from what behind the halfway line. Yeah, sister, sister, the century. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it's the African Africa rather Africa Cup of Nations at the moment, and there's a lot of talk with. Does the competition get enough respect? Obviously, the Jurgen Klopp drama happened. Players have spoken out about, you know, 
getting disrespected, the tournament getting disrespected. It didn't get off to a good start, given the whole referee shenanigans <laughs> that made it look a bit amateurish. But um, we want to pose the question, should, should players be allowed to leave mid-season to go, you know, to, to go and play in this competition? And Ash, you have some strong feelings on this. Tell us them. I, I do have some strong feelings on this. Um, my strong feelings came about when um, was it is it Dennis plays for Watford? Yeah, yeah, and he um, wasn't allowed to go to um, uh, go to the Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, the same because uh, was called up to the squad too late, and they need two weeks' notice before sending players. Right, right. But I don't know if you noticed. Watford are kind of in a relegation battle <laughs> at the moment. Mm. I don't know if you've noticed. Okay. And he's been their best player. They would then be without their best player in a relegation battle for around a month, I think it is. Yeah. Why should Watford feel obligated to have to send him to the Africa Cup of Nations halfway through a season when he has signed a professional contract to play football for that club season? Why would he then months leave? For no good reason. Because, I mean, anyway, you put it, obviously, AFCON is massive in Africa. Maybe not anywhere else in the world. I see it as a bit of a tin pot competition. I'll say it. I, I don't care. What else. <laughs> Anyone must come and come at me. I don't care. I think it's a tin pot competition. I think you've got the best player in the world there at the moment in Mohamed Salah. And you've got about 3,000 people in the stadium watching him. If that's not Timpot, I don't know what is. Right. So I don't feel I don't think clubs should feel obligated to send these players. I feel bad when they don't send their players. What if the players want to go? Obviously, if the players want to go, then that's fair and they can raise up with the club. But then they have to realise they've also signed a professional contract. And they are the people that pay their wages require their services. It's it's an it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because there's there's always you know forever there's been there's been battles between clubs and their nations, and you know this is why friendlies were so unpopular because clubs were basically you know players are contracted as you say to the clubs, and the clubs were risking injury for you know going off and and and, and lending their players to to another establishment, which which kind of in essence seems weird. But international competition has always has always been a thing. It just so happens that the for some reason the African Cup of Nations is well, I suppose it'd be very hot in the summer, wouldn't it? Yeah, obviously. It's because... However, if you want to play at a tournament in the correct climate, <laughs> or you know, you want to play it when there's an actual break of football in the summer, why don't you invest in your infrastructure and build a stadium that can accommodate air conditioners? Yeah, Sierra Leone. Why don't they you just do no, that? It's true, though, isn't it? They change. I mean, you don't many of them. It's rainy season. You've got African combinations. All you need is what? Ten stadiums with a roof that sheds it there. But what, what do those... I mean, A, do those stadiums get filled? So are they going to get any... any? No, they don't. But how, how, so how are they... But how are they affording... How, this, how is this infrastructure... <laughs> Not exactly. To to, yeah. So it's all stupid. So what's the point of it? <laughs> But there's like 2,000 people watching it here. The viewing figures on the TV are awful. They are the worst for any international competition. The Nations League beats it. International European friendlies beat it. Yeah. What's the point? I generally think that's because of the time in which they do it. I mean, they obviously originally wanted to do it in June and July, 
but because of the rainy season in Cameroon, they had to change it. So I generally think if AFCON was in the summer, I think you probably would have better viewing. I know the last one in Egypt, that was in 2019, that was in the summer. And I know the ratings were a lot better. But I think it just sets a dangerous precedent because then if you're a team and you're saying, because you're ultimately saying the country you're representing doesn't matter and the competition you're representing your country in doesn't matter, why would I as a, as a player, yeah, I'm contracted, but ultimately I can, if I want to, I can sulk. If I was, if they, if Liverpool told Salah that and he said, right, I'm not playing, I'm sitting on the bench, what's that going to do for Liverpool? Allow him to dock his wage, you say, that's fair. Dock his wages. He's not fulfilling his contract. You go from being one of the deadliest teams in the world to one that doesn't have, like you said, the best player playing for you. Yeah, but then you go from a team that has the best player in the world mid-season. For a month. month. Gone for an entire month risking injury for someone else. Going for a month. And you're still paying him while he's out there. It's like me saying to my boss, right, hey, Gaff. I need a month off. Did you pay me? But I'm also going to go work for this other company. No, but it's, it's obviously not the same. Regards Cheers, mate. Football. Yeah, I know, but it is. It's contracts. It's a contract. It's a job. It's a full-time job. Liverpool knew when they signed him that he was going to play for Egypt. So then, therefore, you could but say, well, why did Liverpool sign him if they knew that he's Egyptian and he's obviously going to represent yeah, Egypt? And, and if, if, you know, his agent has got something written into his contract that says he can go there, then fair enough. But I mean, I when, I when it's like Watford, it's, say, like it's not like that he just suddenly changed his nationality <laughs> and he's like, you know what, I'm going to represent Egypt. Yeah, Messi, has it, doesn't Messi, Messi has it in his PSG contract. He's got an Argentina course. It means Argentina takes precedence over PSG. All mm. Argentina games for him are more important. But than it's, PSG. Not, it's not necessarily per se taking precedence. It's more, I want to represent my country, rightly or wrongly, and it's inconvenient, but this is a country that I have pride in and I want to represent them. Ash, do you think that if if they allowed um, clubs to stop players from going to the African Cup of Nations because it's mid season, do you not think they have that, to do it for the Euros? They have to do it. Yeah, or the or the quali- you know the qualifiers and the Nations League yeah. and stuff, and and because they'd be like, well, it's not a tournament, lads. Come on, relax. And then, yeah, I think they really want to openly say, like you, Ash, that the Afcon is a Tim Pot tournament. It <laughs> is. It is over a slippery slope. <laughs> I mean, like to to be brutal, to be brutally honest, like I, I wouldn't use the term Tim Pot, but it is a small, you know, not particularly. It, Even though the competition, competition is, but I don't the like, represents it. Yeah, right? and, I, and I almost don't think that should matter in the in the scale in when you're talking about just international competition. Because I mean, we we've had this conversation before. I I just think that all nations, no matter where you come from, should just be treated this, you know, have the same, you know. I disagree. To, that's the conversation. But what, what I, we're seeing... San Marino should be anywhere near a football pitch with England. And <laughs> I think there should be steps in place to prevent that. But we're seeing now, so people are talking about the best, supposedly the best player on form right now is African. According to the best awards, the best goalkeeper in the world is African. Uh, you've got, you know, so many other, you know, Mares, Mane, um, Koulibaly, you know, a, a reasonable size list of players who are really good. Bermiang. Is that who you were whispering before? Oh, Partey. If people that were actually born in these African countries actually, you know, represented their national team, 
there would be so many more talented African teams we'll, we'll, to play, we'll, we'll and therefore Afcon would be better. <laughs> yeah, well, they, I mean, they, I but guess they don't is, because it's not. This is the question. <laughs> so they want isn't to it? represent these European teams. But how? So maybe, maybe this, maybe you know, allowing them to have this, you know. To, for, for, for that to take priority over anything else is a, is a way for this to be built up because there's no reason why it shouldn't, you know. I mean, not every Africa Cup of Nations game is, is interesting, but then again, you can say the same about the Euros. Your opinion, yeah. Like Finland versus versus Russia is boring. I wouldn't, I'm not going to watch it unless I'm on shift. Probably not. Yeah. I mean, it's different. I think it's the, different volume there's, of, there's the volume game. of those matches is a bit different. Elsewhere. Yeah. But look, I mean, anyway, back, back to the Watford point. Anyway, yes, I, I don't feel like Watford should have to feel ashamed or get the amount of stick they did for not sending Dennis out to the to Afcon. They're, they're saying that they needed two weeks, two weeks notice, and that's fair enough. Right? So what happened? Did that he is, get did he get a late call up or something? What was that? What happened? I, I think they were late. Yeah, they were late calling up the squad. So Watford have said no, no, he's not going. You've not given us enough time. Yeah, I mean, and I think I, well, in their right to do that. Nice. Yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, I agree with that. I'd love to know Dennis's perspective and what, whether he pleaded with Watford and they said no, or he was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> he's, he's got to understand that he's in a, he's in a relegation battle and he's their best player. Like, he needs to grow up a bit. But he could go the other way and he could be like, well, if you've not sent me, I'm not. Obviously, obviously he hasn't. But yeah, obviously, if you've not sent me, you've not got my best exactly. interests at heart anyway. Like, while obviously, I wasn't yeah. it. And I'm going to yeah. put you in an even more difficult position. But if, I guess maybe I'll go somewhere else that, yeah. If, but if it, if it turns out that, um, <clears throat> that his nation hasn't stuck to the rules and they've, and they've, missed, they've missed a deadline. Then, then, yeah, I think I think Watford are fine in the same sense that, like, let's say, let's say um, Harry Kane was uh, out injured, and we, and we thought he was going to be out injured until next year, and then we leave him out of the squad for the World Cup in Qatar, and then like a, a few days after the squad is announced, he has another scan, and it turns out actually he's going to be fit. Then we can't just go, oh well, well hang on, we're gonna we want to include him now, please. Like, no, the deadline the deadline's gone. It sucks. For Kane, it sucks for England, but rules rules are there for a reason. Yeah. 100%. But I still think that had they met, you know, had they had they obeyed the rules. Yeah. I, I think I think I think that I don't have a problem. They're completely justified in going. Uh, the, yeah. And Ash, you may be you may what you're asking for in, in perhaps there's this thing in a contract that says you know we're allowed to I, I don't know whether there is something in a contract in like every player's contract essentially or whether there's just a kind of age-old understanding of the best players have international commitments in, in, in summer you would not have an issue would you Ash which I agree no. it, should be, it should be in summer it should be obviously I know the climate in a lot of obviously the African countries makes it difficult for it to be held in summer yeah. so that's why there should be some leeway. So if, because Afghans, I think every two years, so it should be like every six years it's held in January. So it gives the teams time to prepare for it, for that. But I, I still, yeah, if it was in summer, it would, it's just an inconvenience it being in January, but it's still at the end of the day, they still have a duty to the, to their countries to play as inconvenient as it is for the Premier League and as annoying it is, as it is, 
I think if the player has pride in his country and says, I want to go, I think that if it was, whether it's a human thing or whatever, they should send them and they should send them with the blessing as much as they can. It's annoying and frustrating. And if it's you're in a relegation battle, if you're a title challenge, but that's where you then look to recruit and to bring people in and you've got the resources to do that. Should. Or better yet, we could have a bit of care and compassion for these football players and have an actual winter break and not make them play uh, nine or ten games in <laughs> December. Okay. Mm. Uh, Apart from <coughs> when they're off to the African Cup of Nations. <laughs> yeah, every two years. Or if they want to do that, fair enough. So. If, right, then it's completely in the hands of the players, isn't it? If they if they don't mind doing that and they want to go to the African Cup of Nations, they're not hindering their team back home and they can have a break if they want it. But then if they get injured, then that just kicks oh, off. That's, that's the risk you take, isn't it? But Ooh, I, th- I, think, I think a winter break would be the best. Wait, winter. Winter. <clears throat> what about when, when, when Son Heung-min went off to do South Korean military training? Should, <clears throat> should Tottenham have just said, no, nah, mate? Contracted, mean, contracted. Yeah, but I, th- I, th- I think there's a difference between like that's like a political issue. Legislation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, po- Korea, not a problem. Yeah, and just Let go, I mean, because it does become political, though. That's the thing. It's no yeah. longer just. That's what we talked about in our discussion. Has is something football now isn't just about football. It's not just about eleven players kicking a ball about. It's become like it touches on social issues, on political issues, so it's hard to just keep it in the sphere of just football. And and you could probably, I, I don't, this it isn't intended to sound patronising, it may come across that way, but probably a lot of the African players would be more in, in you know, in, intent on playing for their country, representing their country than, you know, a lot of European players who, who would sort of take like, you know, the whole pride aspect of, 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 of representing your nation slightly for granted. I, I maybe that's yeah, me you being. You see a... a lot of European clubs singing their like European players singing their hearts out during mm. their national anthems. I don't think it's sort of hierarchy with regards to pride. I just think players just want to represent their countries. Yeah, maybe and I just have come the from right to do that. As inconvenient as it is, that's still football. That's still a competition that's paid for and people watch it. Yes, to a greater lesser extent, but it doesn't make it any less in that sense. Or shouldn't but we could scream together 20 maybe. quid eight, sponsor it and make the edge of the box Africa open <laughs> yeah maybe 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 the answer is just to you know host it at a time where there's an agreement to kind of reduce the amount of fixtures yeah. so at most you miss maybe three and then that's or you know one or something and then you can just yeah, go could most of them be done in summer as much as possible if not then there's fair warning that okay in two years' time, the next AFCON is going to be held in January. So either the Premier League can alter things or at least the teams know in advance that, right, this is going to happen. And plus, all, all these <laughs> new AFCON was happening. It's not like it just randomly happened and they've got two weeks to prepare. Clubs know that it's January. You're meant to be signing players anyway. And yeah. you know it's going on. So it's not like they've given the shortest of notices and then I was scrambling to make up for these plays that they knew were going to leave anyway. Mm. I, I don't see how this is good for African football. What, allowing the players to <laughs> play? It, but do you disagree with me that clubs would be less likely to sign an African player over a European player the summer window before AFCON? 
I mean, if the player's good you're, enough, you're I, the exact I don't, same player, I don't think... exact same, exact same skill, <clears throat> exact same price. Well, yeah, but well, one okay. going to Afcon for a in month. that precise scenario, which I don't think is yeah. is ever actually likely going to be the case. But if, if you had if you had like PSG are going to sign Salah or Son, would they go? Well, we're losing Salah for a month, so we get we'll go with Son. They'll just go. No, I mean, you know, we're getting a bet. You know, a better player in 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 Salah, and even if we lose him for a for a month, that's it's still he's contracted for. You'll get him for five years. You know, at some point, you know, they will come into they will come into the um, you know it will come into consideration if 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 they know a player's going away. But I don't think it's gonna. It's not. I think the fact that so many class players are away at Afcon who play for class players teams surely shows that. That's I think it's, a, it's definitely a deciding factor. I, I'd say it's definitely one of the deciding factors. I think it makes an impact. It might be for a split second, but ultimately I think they'll still sign the player. I mean, it, like Chelsea at one point had like SCN, Drogba, Mikel. Like half our team was African. And, mm. if, and if this was a big consideration, we'd have gone, right, well, okay, Drogba, you're good, mate, but we lose you for... Mm. You know, sixty okay, let's, let's, take, let's take the elite, take the elite, <clears throat> the elite African players out of it and think about like the mid tier, the mid tier African players. No, again, I don't. I mean, I, I don't completely disagree with you, but but I don't think it's. I just don't see it as a, as as big a problem as, as you do because it, you're, you're only players get injured for for a month all the time or, or, or I, I guess I think it's just my inner businessman coming out thinking, you've signed a contract <laughs> yeah, the, the, and you're not fulfilling not, it to extent. And, it's, and, and, and it's not as efficient is it you're not you're not getting it you know you're losing them for that period but you're, 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 you're losing an invest you're losing part surely, of surely it's, if, if we're comparing it to the gambles of to gambling or in the sense of which is the bigger gamble like has says at least you can prepare for one because you know when it's going to happen. You don't know when a player is going to get injured, or so it's a calculated risk, yes. But in the grand scheme of things, like Has says, it's for a month and it's what every two years or so, every four years. So it's not. I, I just don't see it as being a that much of an issue. And I get what you mean, Ash. I know, like we said, you're very business-minded. You're all about efficiency and calculated risk, but. I think ultimately African players will always be signed. And I think teams over the years have just found ways to just compensate for it. They make them they make them um they make them French. Well let's let's segue into the next topic, which is if we want to make well, not necessarily if we want to make African Cup of Nations a better more respectable tournament but should there be some kind of restriction on you know representation given the fact that a lot of players a lot of talent will come out of africa and settle in europe and and then end up representing european teams should there be some sort of restriction on that and say no come on you're gonna you're you're Sounds a bit bigoted. It's like, but you're, 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 this is this is where it gets confusing. But the, the, the essence is, you wanna you wanna try and build up African football by keeping by not having this talent drain of everyone coming to Europe and 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 taking all the not everyone because obviously lots of people, but that you know half the French team is of African origin and 
and yep. you know a lot of the Belgian team are and all that kind of not it's hard because I think again it's like social political issue because a lot of these players their families have emigrated to these European countries for better opportunity so it's sort of unless somehow these African countries are invested in and the infrastructure completely changes you're always going to constantly have this influx of sort of immigration and then these people who have dual um, citizenship um, and I think even if you did how would you then choose which ones play and which ones like how, how would you quantify that in the yeah, sense that, of right oh, it quota, like sorry now you've got to play for the country that you were born in and I think the the idea and the motivation is right but I think the sort of practicality of it again it transcends football it's not just a oh, we have better football here and we don't have it here. It's actually we have the infrastructure and investment to have the best coaching, to have the best training facilities in order to create um, or nurture the best talent. Mm. So until we have that within African countries and myself obviously being African, I sort of know of it and heard of it. Um, it's, it's just not going to change. And I, like I said, I, like, I love the idea of it, but instead of we just need to invest and get the right people in and I know you mean keeping you want to almost keep the best ones there mm. but then in keeping the best ones there you almost sort of have the adverse effect of not helping them reach their best potential because they're not in a place that, where they have the best that's the key isn't it because because I guess you could say if, if players move to Europe and then come up through the you know when they're like 10 and come up through the youth system in effect the European countries will say, well, we've, we've nurtured and developed the talent. Without without our training and coaching, there is no player. Like, just one off the top of my head, Trevor Chalaber was born in Sierra Leone, but but it'd be silly to go, well, he's, you know, he's not, he's not, or A, it'd be silly to say he's not English, of course, it, but it would, but, but, you know, if he stayed in Sierra Leone, chances are he wouldn't be playing for Chelsea right now. So it's difficult. Yeah, I think Demi Ali could have, I think one thing that could help because I've always had a problem with the kind of loose rules about nationality like if you have a kind of grandparent one grandparent who was born somewhere despite the fact that you, the rest of your family isn't related to that country and you weren't born there you can relate you can play for them I think that's a bit of a like out. um what's his name uh no <clears throat> Blackburn Rovers player. Yeah. With oh, the, oh, the Chilean yeah. guy. Yeah. Ben Barrett and This has got a Chilean sounding name. But like, <laughs> you remember that it was in the, in the 80s and 90s, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Jack Charlton became manager of Ireland and filled the entire Ireland team with, with basically not good enough for England English players who had a, because every... Every English family's got Irish roots, pretty much. You know, not every, but you know what I mean. So many of them will, and it just wasn't a night. It was a good. It was a good, it was a better team, but it was in, just a team of, of English blokes, and it just felt a bit silly. And I wonder whether you could have a, you could make, maybe just put stricter rules so that if you have a player who say is from, you know, a really really good African player, um, who finds out he's got links to France or Belgium, and you go, well, no, okay, you you you. You've got to have, you know, proper proper roots, not just a kind of vague association with. Yeah, yeah I, th 
kind of double-edged sword in that regard, isn't it? Where I think when if you have those kind of limited links with, say, one of these African countries that are maybe a bit more down coefficient-wise or a developing football country like uh, San Marino, um, then it gives uh, people who say were born specifically in England or specifically in France, who would never get in those squads in the first place, it gives them a chance to play international football. And it gives <laughs> the the scouting pool for these countries, just it, it just increases the scouting pool for these countries as well. But also, you can flip reverse that, uh, and then you can have these very talented, talented players that were born in these countries that should play for these countries. But no, they've got like these small ties to say France or Italy. And of course, if they had the choice as a young person, you'd you'd go for the the better team. Mm. And then you you get these <laughs> these nations that are superpowers in the game, and they see these potentially very talented youngsters, and they'll give them a one off cap, a one off cap just to secure them, mm. just to secure them, and never play them again. Yeah. And I, I think the exercise we should be doing is looking at players that do represent other <laughs> countries that were uh, born in Africa or were like you know eligible to. <laughs> To, to you know, play for one of these teams like um, I mean, there's loads, and I, was, and, and I think the question should be: Would we'll stick with Africa? We'll stick with Africa. Would African football be better, more respected, and more of a worldwide thing if these players were playing in it? And it's yeah. So I think there should be more restrictions. Or would they have been trained up by the European teams? And if they weren't, would they reach the level at which we know them at now? Yeah, but it's the, you got to imagine, you got to remember, it's the clubs. The clubs that are doing the majority of their development, not the nations. Yeah. But I, 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 know, I know the club is in the nation and the nation has it's also you know, like, put, the, put the funding in for this, for, from grass, for grassroots football. The nation has put that funding in so that these players can be developed and such on and so forth. But the clubs that are doing the training, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, after they've scouted them from Africa, they bring the, the clubs bring them over. The clubs... Put them up in a, you know, in housing. The clubs, you know, train them. So they should be, you know, loyal to the clubs. But why would they be loyal to the nation? But I think could... the point is the clubs are European. So yes, they make them the raw. So where they've born, they show they'll showcase their raw talent. But their talents are nurtured and refined usually in European countries. So therefore, if you know, if I was, let's say, born in the Congo and played for one of the Congolese teams and then a team like Rennes in France saw me, I joined their academy and then I'm playing with all the Congolese players. But then I see that my association now is with France because they're the ones that have invested in me, refined my talent. And then I go off to Madrid or Barcelona you associate more so I imagine I could be wrong he's going to be with France because that's where you develop mental years with regards to your career not necessarily with the um, nation that you're born in's team or national team or youth team um, for getting your roots yeah it's oh, I just as a, as a sort of an aside so Dave for the record you are um, you were born in you're you're Obviously English, but your your roots are from. Born in are you born uh, in Nigeria? Okay. I moved to England when I was two and a half. So, if you were a footballer and you you know, let's just say because you were born and raised 
in Manchester after you're not born and raised in Manchester, you've raised in Manchester. So let's yeah. just say like, like that's like you going to Man United or something. Who would you yeah. think that you would who would you who would you be who would you represent if you were became, you know, <clears throat> an absolute superstar? Yeah, I think I'll probably represent England. A because it's a better national team, but B because I think I have that closer attachment to England or to to my to Britain than I do to Nigeria. But that's me personally. I think it's more complicated, obviously, when if you still have that attachment to the nation in which you were born. But I think you'll end up choosing that because as a player, if you want to win silverware, you'll probably obviously go with the team that you think or the national team that you think is better. So we, again, it comes into politics and upbringing and sort of identity as well. Where and you, how good you are. And how good you are, where you feel like you fit in. So someone like Wilfred Zaha, obviously, he then played for England in the youth teams, did really well. Obviously, he was at Crystal Palace and United went back to Crystal Palace. But then he ended up going, choosing um, Ivory Coast mm. because... I don't know. I don't know why. Because it, it, it was, seemed to be because he didn't get an English, he wanted to get an English yeah, call up, but never it was, got it. Rather than any sort of loyalty to the Ivory Coast, we know of. Yeah. So the <clears> so again, if the quality is, you don't want it to be a because I can't get into that one. I suppose I'll choose it as like a second choice. Ideally, you want it to be a first choice. But there's all this complex stuff going on, obviously outside, but also within the person when it comes to identity, belonging who you feel like you can trust more, who you feel that you can win stuff with and you feel connected to. So I think it's it's hard to compartmentalise this idea of nationality because it's not just a football thing, it's an identity thing. It's about belonging, mm-hmm. purpose, and where you feel that you fit in. So it's easy to say, oh, but you were born there and they nurtured you. And it's, it's a lot more complex than that. I mean, they, yeah. they might know. Yeah, fair enough. They might know and speak the language. They might not, a lot of the time, they might not speak it. They might not have that association. It might be a distant relative. They might be so nationalised within the, the new nation that they're in that they don't have that connection or tie to it. So it's it's just a very, very complex way of being. That's and that's think, why the laws are so loose, aren't, aren't they? Because yeah, as you say, there's no real yeah, defined sense of nationality. or. And or, it goes down a dangerous route when you try to... Sort of finalize and make it more black and white, and because then it's is it going against people's rights? Are you trying to dictate people's identity? So, mm. I, I I think it, for me, at the end of the day, and, and I, I wouldn't know what precise rules to put in place for this, but at the end of the day, the whole point of international competition, unlike club competition, is that you're basically just going everybody from this culture or this country versus everybody from from the best of you know the best of everybody from this country. And it's kind of defeating the point when you start getting a bit like, well, you've got a kind of very, very loose association with us. Or even if you're not, you know, even if you were like, you know, have no connection to England, but you spent the last six years of your life here. Like I remember Carlo Cudicini could have qualified to play for England at one point because he'd never played for Italy. Mikel Arteta, yeah. And and again, like, like, as you say, there aren't any rules about nationality. so, So why not? But I kind of feel like sort of almost slightly defeats the point without I don't want to go down the route of sounding like you know because as you say there's no reason why Arteta and Cudicini are not you know have any sense of English nationalism or whatever you want to call it um so I you know I, I just think that ultimately the spirit of international football is just to kind of go this is you know this this nation against against your nation 
that's um, that's ultimately what it is has without yeah. like you said without it being so fixed on you must be born here you must have i think it's just the best players from the nation including nationalization are playing against each other i think when you try to go deep i think it just you see how complex it is i think it's just just a way to get nations to play each other and to have that sort of cross cross cultural sort of interaction. Mm. I mean, for me, the World Cup for loads of people, the World Cup is is phenomenal, and we all enjoy. It. It's a way for us all to come together, even though we celebrate and support different countries. But it's just a way to get people to to come together. I I would just to, just to final finalize this. I would say that I, I think if you if if you should you should have a sort of primary nation and really that's the not not, not if, if it's if it's a bit blurred then then you can have two or three but like for example so erling erling harland was born in england so he had he has a claim to english citizenship and, and could have taken it and could have gone right i'm going to play in the world Cup front, yeah but he's but he you know he's 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 norwegian isn't he he's just it, it, it's not like one of these things where for example you you've got perfectly legitimate claims to both Nigeria and England it's quite you know they're cl- they're close but Harland his, his family is his mother is as far as I'm aware his mother is Norwegian his dad is Norwegian it's just he was born in England well, I don't I've, I feel like that yeah I feel like that isn't you know you should kind of go no you know like to stop players from going I, I have no I'm, I'm doing this for selfish professional reasons as opposed to for my country do you know what I mean isn't, I mean, isn't that just in the case of nurture <clears throat> in the sense of his family, I assume, have instilled this Norwegian sort of patriotism that, yes, you were born in England, yes, you have that connection, but we're, your mother and I are both Norwegian. So it's, I think it's, again, it's hard to say because he's had, because they focused on wanting to instill that Norwegian passion and patriotism that has probably made him think, yes, I was born in England, but my, again, my connection, my ties, my belonging, my identity is with Norway. While in a parallel universe, it could have been a case where it's like, yeah, we're from Norway, but we live in England now. So you're going to play with England. I'm going to get United, a lead shirt. And, you know, no, it, it just depends it, on the upbringing. It absolutely could, but but I'm, I'm taking it specifically on Erling Haaland's upbringing, which was that as far as I understand, he only spent two years of his life or something in England. And then was gone, and then that was it. So, like, it just feels it would feel disingenuous of, for example, if, if Lionel Messi was was it was it, what, nothing to do with Argentina. His parents were both from Bolivia or something, but he was born in an Argentinian hospital, and then two days later they went back to Bolivia. His family is completely Bolivian, but it would feel disingenuous for him to go. I fancy winning stuff with Argentina. And so because I was born there, even though I have no, basically no links other than the fact that my mum happened to be in, in Argentina when I was born and had to give birth to me there, but we were gone after that. That doesn't feel like nationality to me. Like Erling Haaland could, could you're right, he could have had an upbringing where they, they properly went, come on, let's, you know, let's, let's, embrace, let's embrace this. But they didn't. Is it different if he would have spent longer there? So he was, he was maybe moved when he was 10 or... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that you're right to say that national, nationality should be subjective, but I think that what it sh- what should be prevented, I think, is people taking advantage of the system be- for professional reasons. I think fair enough if you if you're doing something because you, because you you feel a, a connection to the to the nation in some way, but 
Can you not go the other way in the sense of look at the guy from Blackburn, the Diaz guy? Is he, and maybe Zaha as well, are they only choosing those countries because it's a second choice? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I would do it that way. And of course, you could, he would probably argue, no, man, I really yeah. love Chile. But but at the same time, like you're, what you're doing is you're denying <laughs> an actual. Yeah. and to be fair he's doing well so he, he probably you know and like yeah. but, no, but, uh, I'm not saying that that's what he's doing but again yeah. in this, like you said you can have that tenuous link in order to win you can also have that tenuous link in a sense of pride that you know what not got a chance to play one of those top European calls let me just be like a cult hero a superstar for one of these with all due respect like lesser known nations yeah yeah, if you, you yeah, as I say, if you feel like you're just doing it because professionally this isn't the right decision, well, it should be a personal thing, playing for your country, not not like a tactical thing. Thank you very much once again for joining us. Uh, what do you think? Feel free to let us know how you think international representation should be decided. Uh, feel free to let us know on Twitter or on Instagram. Um, both handles are at Edge of the Box Pod, and we'll see you again next week. Bye bye.